Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa, the founder of the Jude 3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, my friend, Dr. Angela Guzman. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's so funny calling you Dr. Angela Guzman. I I, I forget I the, that you, <laughs> I know you are a doctor, but I forget sometimes when I'm just interacting. It's like, oh, my, some of my friends are doctors and attorneys, and it's just like you're, you're so like it's just so common that you kind of forget. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my first time calling you Doctor Angela Guzman. So I know it is weird, <laughs> and in all honesty, when I'm not at the hospital, I'm definitely not Doctor Guzman. I try to correct people very quickly. I'm Angela. <laughs> I know. I like I like to be Angela more, as much as I can. <laughs> I was just telling Angela yesterday, all our listeners, I admire her um, because I know I almost failed chemistry. So <laughs> there's no way I could be a, a, a medical doctor. And you are not just a doctor, you are OBGYN. So <laughs> that's extra time. So I admire, I admire you a great deal. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm just, I admire your ability, literally like your stamina and your dedication to doing what's right. I kind of Facebook talk, so I always can tell. <laughs> I seriously, like, because you always just post things that are so encouraging, and in times when people's face are being questioned, trust me, you may not think that you're touching people, but even people who don't realize they're being inspired, they are. Because sometimes just seeing scripture can feed your spirit. Thank you. That's so encouraging um, to know. I'm a Facebook stalker, too, so I think everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> lurking on people's pages but um Angela tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself before we get started so I originally hail from Jacksonville Florida um and I'm pretty proud of that Duval. a lot of people I I know that Duval apparently we have a bad rep <laughs> um I went to at like for high school I mean I was not from a a uh, silver spoon background. I basically grew up on the east side and my family, you know, moved to Orange Park. And so for me growing up, I didn't have any examples of my doctors in my family. I think I had one cousin who had graduated from college early, early, I mean, earlier than me, but otherwise, like, I just knew that I wanted to be a doctor because when I was younger, I actually got sick. So around the age of 13, I woke up one day and, like, my leg was super swollen and they couldn't figure out why, and I ended up having so many stupid doctor's visits that eventually I started to take interest in the field, um, and that kind of sparked my initial interest in medicine, just having to be around doctors all the time. And from there, I just started saying it, and then it just kind of became the end goal, and I just never deferred from it. So I ended up going to FSU for college, and then I stayed at FSU for my master's in medical school, and then I ended up... Um, matching in OBGYN and came to Orlando and so now I'm in my second year of residency program. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um how um as far as like your medical journey, one of the things that um 
I always think it's interesting for people who are in medicine and science that sometimes it causes um, tension with their faith. Um, how was that like? How was your journey with that? Uh, I won't lie. It's definitely been a struggle. And there are times even now where it's not so much a struggle of of faith of what I believe. It's, it then becomes a struggle for me to reiterate to myself what it is that why I believe. And mm-hmm. I think um, the best example of starting off, you know, when you're surrounded by science and tangential things that you can see in all these people who are telling you that you're so intellectual, why are you believing in fantasies? And it, 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 amazed, it amazed me how many people, they immediately became confrontational when you started confessing your faith. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was an undergrad, and so that was my initial taste. Um, of starting to kind of just doubt my own faith and really taking a full evaluation because, you know, I grew up, I grew up a Christian, so I never had a reason to question my faith or to question the Bible or to question what I've been given. And so college was, was the first time where I really started to think. But I always, no matter how many times I deviated away, was able to kind of come back to the conclusion that, yeah, God is real. Like, God is. There's just so many different times in my life where I literally didn't know, I had no other explanation but God. And so in those times, I definitely was always reassured. But I can tell you, um, I think now more than anything is where I have to, I don't question if God is real anymore. He is so powerful. And, like, the, the emotion that I get every time that I just speak about him is what makes him real. And I'm able to talk about it and more effectively communicate the reasons why I know he's real, mm-hmm. which helps to fortify my faith. But I'll tell you, it's hard. It's hard when you see the nicest couples coming in and they've lost their baby at nine months of pregnancy. And then you see so many sweet and Christian couples and so many bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And those are the times when you, you question the love of God, and you definitely question the will of God mm-hmm. because it doesn't it doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting that you said that because the problem of evil is such a hard thing um, for people in believing in God. Like, why does God, a good, all loving, all powerful, all knowing God, allow this evil to happen? And sometimes people can wrap their mind around it when it comes to adults because they'll say, "Well, you know, they're adults," but when when it comes to children, I know me personally, that's really a struggle for me. When I was in seminary, the whole idea of children, innocent children, things happening to them really bothered me um, because I would put myself in a position of, well, I know my parents, if they ha- in the, if they had the power, they wouldn't let anything happen to me. You know, so when it comes to God, you kind of think that same thing. You know what I'm saying? So it it is really hard to grapple with um, things, tragic things like death or any kind of hurtful thing to children. It's kind of hard to grapple with that for me. It definitely is. And I think the biggest thing um, is when you when you come across these cases of like the molestation and rape and when you have, or for me, when I've had patients who, um, this one lady, she was a Christian. Her family went to church, and, you know, she believed in God. She prayed over her daughter. 
And it was, we learned about her story at this class where we had to take about um, sex slaves. Mm-hmm. And her daughter was lured into um, being uh, basically literally kidnapped and became a sex slave. And it was by her friends from high school. These girls were high school friends, and they thought that they knew the family, but they didn't, really. Mm -hmm. And so you hear this mother, you know, in the video saying, I prayed over my daughter every day. God, keep her safe. And she subsequently disappeared for a few days and was literally uh, became a sex slave. They drugged her. They raped her. And to have to listen to that story just brought tears to my eyes because even the mother in the video was saying, well, God, where were you? Mm Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, those are the times when I struggle the most because, again, it's kind of going back to the Bible, just reminding yourself that God never promised that life would be easy. And those are the times when I do, I literally have to go to the scripture to be able to fortify my faith because if not, it, again, it'll, those doubts would definitely come. Yeah, definitely. I, I, as you were talking about that story, I was like, kind of just thought it's like heart wrenching, you know, to think, you know, you're, as you're talking about the mother, she's praying over her child. So, um, and doing everything that she thinks is right immediately, it makes me think of Job who like prays for his children and they die. Um, and he has really no explanation at the end. He doesn't really even know the conversation that God has with the enemy at the beginning, he still doesn't is never says he's aware of that, but he trusts God's sovereignty above, above his understanding. And, you know, you're right. We have to go back to the scriptures and find that comfort um, in those things. What's been the biggest thing as far as science that's um, been problematic for you with faith? Um, you said as far as, Science and medicine. Oh, science. Oh, um, the so for me, science being that now we have the ability to almost artificially create life. Mm-hmm. There is a new study um, being done in Japan where they took the egg of a rat and the sperm of a rat, and they grew baby rats outside of a the animal in these little petri dishes um, and made it like a a birth environment. And then they ended up having baby rats. Mm -hmm. So the, that was like breaking news. And so the question is, well, if we as humans can create life, you know, the number one thing somebody of course is going to say is like, well, how can you then say that they are the creator? We can now be, we become our own creator. And it kind of makes me cringe because of how much artificial intervention we can do, we can pick our own kids. We can pick the color of their hair and the color of their eyes mm-hmm. when they're born. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff is a struggle because for me, again, God is the creator of all things. Mm-hmm. In my mind, he get, He has gifted us with the ability to discover these things for our own use, but mm-hmm. to go so far as to create life outside of the natural ways. I'll be honest, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. And it, it makes for a hard conversation with an atheist when there's clear evidence that man has now artificially created life, even if it's only that of an animal. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting because, you know, one of the things that um, I just talked about this, I taught, you know, Bible study at my church on this past Tuesday. And one of the things I was talking about is the fact that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God and that he shaped us and fashioned us and everything about us he made. And then when, as you were talking, I thought about, you know, what if, you know, there's a, a parent out there who's picking out their child's eyes and their hair color, you know, that kind of contradicts with that kind of thought in a sense. Um, so that's very interesting. Oh yeah, it goes it it goes so deep because now, you know, there are talks about being able to make um the paralyzed walk again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in in the Bible study Bible stories, Jesus made people walk again. Well now it's it's kind of like man elevating themselves and becoming God and how much they're pushing science and pushing their abilities, their abilities, and am I happy? I'm elated, but at the same time, it becomes a self-inflation. And so I feel like the more science advances, the more ammunition those who don't believe will have in order to dispel or dispute God's creation and and the beauty of creation. Mm -hmm. Are those some of the conversations you have with uh, your uh, co-workers on the regular yeah, I had a um, a very long conversation with one of my coworkers. It's actually just she and I are really good friends, and we see eye to eye on almost everything except religion. Where <laughs> um, she used to be Methodist, and she grew up Methodist. And the short story is that she stopped believing in anything when she was eight because she didn't like that Jesus wasn't going to accept everybody into heaven. And she mm-hmm. told a Sunday school teacher that. So she was. She told the Sunday school teacher, "Well, if Jesus is so loving, you know, why are people going to hell? It doesn't, you know, seem like a nice thing to do. Well, that I don't want to serve that kind of God." And so, from the early age of eight, she made that decision and she stuck with it. And there's nothing that I have been able to say, can say, or act or do to be able to change her mind, because in her mind, you know, as long as you are good, you live good, and you're a good person, then good things will come to you. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that fear of after I die, what if there is more? Like the the that thought just isn't there mm-hmm. because the belief isn't there. And then a lot of times, um, you know, when you go to pray with a patient and you may have a superior who is an atheist or agnostic, um, I always tell them, I said, regardless of what you believe, it's not about what you believe right now, it's what the patient believes. And so if my patient believes in Christ, then out of respect for her, you should at least bow your head, even if you're just being silent. Mm-hmm. But there's no need to make noises, roll your eyes, like all that is disrespectful to the patient. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Because it's so much, as you're sharing, it's so much that I, even as someone who has devoted their life to apologetics, that I've, I feel I've missed as I've, you know, just you sharing these for these few moments, like, things that I've missed as far as thinking through um, and the things that people have to encounter on a day-to-day basis, like you in the hospital, like the conversations you have. Um, What would be one of the most challenging conversations you've had with the atheist or agnostic in medicine? For me, the most challenging part is, is when they 
tell me that I'm too smart to believe in fairy tales. And then, oh, my goodness, interestingly enough, they read the Bible like we do. Don't think they don't. <laughs> um, and they're able to point out discrepancies. And it's like they make it their mission to refute and to find, to find points for their dispute so that they can make you feel lesser and make you question your foundation. And it definitely does happen, especially, like, the biggest challenge for me is trying to talk to other people about God because sometimes I don't feel like I'm empowered enough. Like, I know why I believe. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a conversation with you about why I believe, and I'll have a conversation with you and tell you why I think you should believe. But when it comes to the, to the arguments, I don't argue mm-hmm. because I don't feel like that's going to solve anything because I know that your purpose is not to edify this conversation. Your purpose is to try to make knock me off. Mm-hmm. And so for those reasons, I just don't. Mm-hmm. But that is definitely like the biggest challenge is to be able to intellectually put put an intellectual spin on why I believe other than saying in the same way that you don't feel the you feel the wind but you don't see it, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's usually how I start off all of my conversations when they ask me why can I believe in something that I can't see mm-hmm. or, or feel or something that's real. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely helpful to me as far as like you knowing like how better to equip people and what questions that, you know, people that are on that are encountering this stuff day to day are facing. Um, what would be the things you would want church leaders to know um, that would be trying to educate their church or pastors who kind of don't go deep? Um, what would you want them to know about what their congregation wants to hear? I would say that people are walking around hurting from one reason or another. And one of the biggest issues that we are facing right now is identity. I feel like most of these people, be it the transgenders, the just, just anybody, they're all walking around lost. trying. We are a bunch of people trying to find ourselves. So if you can just approach and equip your congregation to approach a person in love, it will start there because most of these people just don't feel loved, which is why they're searching. Mm-hmm. And then to just encourage them, you show them the truth without you, there's, you, you're going to offend no matter what. You're going to offend somebody. It, it, that doesn't matter. But keep preaching the truth and keep showing them the truth because in, in time, I think that it, it definitely will stick. And that's kind of been one of the things that I always do, like, with my patients when they're dealing with difficult situations where they don't want to hear that their mom's not doing well, they don't want to hear that dad's not doing well. It's the same thing with Christianity. I feel like too many of our preachers have worked down their preaching, and people need to be loved, and they need to be fed, and they need the truth. Because at the end of the day, I feel like there's more growth in that, Mm -hmm. and that is, in turn, how you... That is how you build a congregation. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful that you said that making the correlation between preaching and you being a uh, a physician, because at the end of the day, you tell people hard truths all the time. And there's no way you could say that your child is going to die, that it's not painful. You know, <laughs> there's no way you could tell, you know, you can say it as nice as you want or as, as mean as you want. And it's still going to hit the same, really, at the end of the day. Um, 
Now, I mean, and I imagine if you're mean, that's going to definitely make it worse, but it's still going to be painful. And so, but that's the truth that they have to receive um, or they have to know that they have a disease in order to get help. Like you can't just say, well, go home and you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that's an interesting um, correlation you made. And I'm, I'm probably going to steal that and put it in the blog. I'll quote you. Yeah, on okay. it. <laughs> I definitely say that we, you got to let people meet them where they're at and then show them the truth and let them take from it what they will. And I think that that's because I, I have to sit through, girl, you'll be surprised the things you have to sit through. I literally had to sit through a session on sensitivity for obese patients. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that was like a real thing that I had to sit through. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you got to watch what you say, but at the same time, give them the truth. And then this whole thing with like transgenders. I can't believe this is even something I got again. Why am I sitting through this? Now I have to, if a man who wants to be a woman is coming into my office, I have to be sensitive enough to receive him. Okay, but he don't have a lady part. So all that is a constant reminder for me that the world is changing, but it, it challenges me to meet people where they're at because it doesn't mean that I can't still minister to them, and it doesn't mean that I can't still meet them where they are, and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't still love them through their struggles. It just, again, means that I'm going to give them the truth and let them take with it what they will, knowing that they're going to be a better person when they come to the conclusion of it all. Mm-hmm. You and ma- I definitely want to correlate that with Christianity. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, the transgender um, component um, because that's the hot button issue right now, especially in North Carolina and Georgia uh, with the restroom thing. But as far as us understanding the science of it and the medical components of it, um, and I've been trying to do research to understand this whole gender identification idea because, you know, I w- the whole thing with Bruce Jenner or now Caitlyn um, kind of threw me off the whole idea of when I, th- when I thought, sex change, I immediately thought sexuality, but mm-hmm. it's a whole two different like things. Um, could you help explain that to me? Yeah. So here's the thing, whenever I, and again, it just always it actually helped me as a Christian too. Jamie Lee Curtis um, is a famous actress and most people don't know that she was actually born quote unquote as a man. And she was always, she was raised all of her life, had female parts, but genetically she has an X and a Y. And that is the difference between, um, on the genetic level, being a man and a woman. Women have X's and X's, men have X's and Y's. Mm -hmm. She had an X and a Y, but something went wrong in her genetic makeup. And so her Y was never activated. And she grew up, uh, the default, unfortunately, is to become a woman. So by default, she developed women features. And it wasn't until she was a teenager that she discovered that she had male features and then ended up having to have surgery to remove the other male parts. But she lived her life as a woman, and she identified as a woman. So there are a lot of complexities to it. It's not just as black and white as we would like to think that it is because there are hormones that play a part in it and I have, I've seen it for myself, I think the most um, touching story and the reason why I definitely changed my motto to love them, meet them where they're at, and tell them the truth is because I had a, a, 
friend shared me a story of um, a man who came to the hospital. He was dressed as a woman, ended up having a blood clot in his lungs. That is the worst place that you can get a clot, and you can die very quickly from it. And the short story is that the guy was young, had no reason to be having clots, and he lied about what medications he was on. And as the doctor was saying, you know, I just don't can't figure it out. And finally, he told the truth that he was actually a man taking pills to be a woman, and he didn't want to he didn't want to live his life as a man. And he told that doctor, I would rather die as a woman than to live as a man, because the doctor said, "Sir, you have to stop taking the you have to stop taking the estrogen pills. It's going to kill you. You're going to keep getting caught." And when he said that, that's a powerful statement. I cannot imagine. I would rather die as a woman than live as a man. Wow. And from that, it just reminds me that there is so much behind it that we just don't understand. And so to put superficial phrases on it of saying that it's a choice, yeah, it might be for some people. But for some people, genetically, something went awry and they didn't end up developing the way everybody else did. And in a small percent of people, it's like proven genetics. Um, to where you're having very hard conversations with your kids because they're not developing right. Mm -hmm. And so all of that has really humbled me, and it's made me question my black and white stance, you know, that I used to have on things. And now I know for a fact, you know, there are scientific studies that are showing that it is truly a gray zone and things are not black and white, which is why at the end of the day, our goal, our job should be as Christians to love them. And mm-hmm. then as a person, meet them where they're at, because by meeting them where they're at, maybe you can show and let God show them God and let God do the rest. Mm-hmm. Amen. I think that's in that's that's definitely helpful um, because you don't know when you're encountering people who have, who may be having uh, some issues with with knowing their gender if they have the imbalance genetically. You know, um, that's something that, you know, only their doctor would be able to tell them. So, you know, if you would come to someone like that has been born, like you said, the actress um, with with both parts, then that, you know, you have to be very sensitive because it's not something that they can control. Um, And I think that that's definitely helpful in how we approach the situation and how we navigate through it to have a little bit more grace and humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my biggest thing too is like mental health is so fragile and you don't necessarily know that people are teetering until they're broken. Mm -hmm. And the mind is the only organ that when it's broken, it's no amount of medication can truly fix it and bring it back to where it is. And so we should always tread lightly when we are approaching another person because you never know where they're at mentally. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very true. Um, what would be the last thing that you want to leave with our listeners? I would say this. Um, the first is that I want to encourage anybody who is not where they want to be in life or anyone who has a goal or a dream in life that they just feel like is not achievable. Again, I grew up not super poor, but I certainly was not wealthy. Um, I had to work hard to get where I'm at. 
but God gave me what I needed to be where he saw where he saw fit for me to be. And so just don't get discouraged. Do not get discouraged in, in your struggle because there is so many, so many lessons in the struggle. Whether you're in high school, middle school, college, graduate school, know that it's all for a greater purpose. And the second thing is in my time being around people who don't believe, I've learned that it's that much more important for me to always run to God. So if you find yourself being lukewarm, then stop. Stop whatever it is that you're doing and make a decision to either be on fire or be cold. Because when you're lukewarm, that is when the atheists and the agnostics, that's when they can hit you hard and they'll knock you down. Mm -hmm. So I have to make a conscientious decision every single day to read a scripture, to pray twice a day. And it keeps me centered and it also enables me, even though I may not be the most articulate on the Bible, but it gives me what I need to be able to talk to people when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, I thank you so much, Angela. I think people are going to be really blessed by this. I was encouraged and enlightening and inspired by our conversation. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it, too. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com. Um, backslash Jude 3 project and remember you can donate on our site so if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you help support us financially um, by going on our website at jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating consider donating to us thank you so much remember at the Jude 3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it